Your spoken image is more than just the words you say. It's how you connect with your audience, how you convey your expertise, and it's how you leave a lasting impression. Hey there, this is April Lokar with Semi-Conventional, and I wanted to talk to you about your spoken image strategy. This is an offer that isn't just about refining your speaking skills. It's about aligning your message with your mission to create a meaningful impact. As part of your spoken image strategy, we start with a personalized strategy call. Your transformation really begins with this one-on-one strategy call where we get clear on your goals. We also align on the spoken image pillars that will streamline your talking points, ensuring every word you speak drives your vision forward. And then we have ongoing support as part of this as well. Your transformation doesn't stop at the end of the call. You'll then get two weeks of unlimited audio messaging support, and that gives you direct guidance from me as you refine and implement your strategy. So whether you have questions, need feedback, or just want to bounce ideas around, I am here to support you seamlessly. If you're an entrepreneur or a professional who has an upcoming speaking engagement or a networking event, if you aspire to be an impactful speaker in your industry, and if you see value in focusing and elevating a specific area of expertise in your business, we need to talk. If you're ready to speak with purpose and passion, book your spoken image strategy session today at semiconventional.com slash spoken image. Now back to the show. Hey friends, today I'm keeping it direct as I lay out common mistakes you might be making that are actually boring your audience and keeping them from taking in all your valuable expertise. Of course, I'll also give my personal favorite tips to engage your audience. I would never leave you on a cliffhanger. This isn't Game of Thrones. But first, let me ask, when you're getting ready to deliver a speech or presentation, or even to press record on your Instagram story, are you in the camp of scripting out every single thing that you're going to say, that way you can read it and not mess up? Or are you not planning anything and completely speaking off the cuff? Most of us fall into one of these two strategies, but there's a better way to prepare that meets right in the middle. When you work with me one-on-one, we plan your talk to cover all the important parts, add in stories and examples, then make sure you've rehearsed in a way that lets you deliver your message in your authentic voice. I take the pressure off so you can really focus on delivering value and connecting with your audience. If that sounds refreshing, book a discovery call at semiconventional.com to get started. Now, are you ready to find out if you're boring? Well, boring your audience anyway. Let's get into it. Welcome to Her Spoken Image. I'm April Lokar, founder of Semi-Conventional and thought leadership consultant. Are you ready to make a greater impact using your unique perspective? I know what it's like to realize you're in the middle of your career and want to create a new path. I've pivoted from school teacher to corporate trainer to entrepreneur with lots of lessons learned along the way. If you want to use your authentic voice to speak up with confidence, you're going to love it here. Each episode, you'll get actionable tips to master public speaking like a pro while honing your spoken image so your message comes through loud and clear. 
And we'll do all this through a semi-conventional lens that blends a little tradition with a lot of feminist perspective. Sound good? Then let's get into it. Today's going to be a fun one. We're talking about common mistakes that are actually boring your audience and my tips to make sure you're engaging them instead. So why is this important? Audience engagement is the most important metric when it comes to your spoken image. Now, I don't mean metrics like measuring head nods or eye contact or note writing. Think of it more like social media. It's all about attention. And if you can capture attention, you'll be able to get your message across. That allows you to build credibility, social impact, sales, or really anything else, whatever your message is. So with that, the first mistake that I see a ton of people making is really trying to sound professional. When we spend our time in preparation trying to sound professional, it can actually hurt us. First off, there's definitely problems with the connotation of the word professional at the surface level. It's competent, skilled, polished, right? Those are some common definitions of being professional. The hidden meanings are things like conforming to a set of socially accepted norms or standards, which are typically Western culture, also known as, you know, white male culture or patriarchy. So trying to sound professional can already have some downsides. What this can look like in practice is trying to be perfect in your speaking. And perfectionism is something that I think we just need to take a quick minute to talk about. This can show up in so many places for a lot of people and historically is much more prevalent in women. I think of perfectionism as being a fear of judgment because there's a big difference between excellence and perfection. Excellence is all about striving to give our best, whereas perfection is seeking an end result that others won't be able to pass judgment on because it's perfect. And in my experience, perfectionism is baked into sounding professional. So that leads us to one of the biggest pieces of advice that people give when it comes to public speaking, and that's removing filler words. Now, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think removing filler words is a little overdramatic. Now, it's true that too many filler words can distract your audience or make you sound nervous because we tend to use more filler words when we are nervous. But if you're hyper-focused on your filler words, as soon as you say one, it might throw you off and distract you rather than the audience. Most people appreciate authenticity and a filler word here or there shows your audience that you're human. Now, if you're saying like, uh, um, so in every other word, then yeah, it becomes a distraction. So there's definitely a balance here and it's a spectrum rather than being black and white. You're going to hear that a lot in this episode. But the point here is that if you spend all your time in preparation trying to rehearse the filler words out of your speaking, you're spending your time in the wrong place. Because at the end of the day, your audience doesn't care all that much about a few filler words. Again, if you have a ton of filler words, check out your local Toastmasters club or send me an email and I'll give you some recommendations. But if you're 
in the camp of most people and you kind of just use some filler words here or there, I wouldn't really spend that much time worrying about it. Now, another big area that comes up when we talk about sounding professional is jargon. Now, I could and maybe will do a whole episode about jargon one day as it's standalone because I could talk about jargon forever. But the thing to keep in mind with jargon is that we often use it when we're trying to sound smart or professional in this case. Jargon can put your audience in a place of not understanding your message because they misunderstand what the term means or they have no concept of what the term means. So even something as simple as ROI. I've met so many people over the past couple of years that weren't familiar with the term ROI, return on investment. To me, that felt like such a common thing having worked in corporate for so long. But people that either haven't worked in corporate or have worked in different types of corporate roles may not know what that means. And trust me, there are millions and millions of words that we use in different industries or corporate jobs versus entrepreneurship that we just assume people understand. And maybe they don't. Even if they do understand the jargon, the question I have for you is, does that jargon term make your message more clear? If the answer is no, and most of the time it's no, remove it and use something way more simple. Buzzwords also fall into the category of jargon. So just think about all the terms that people use. I'm going to circle back or let's connect. And I'm not going to lie, I use these terms from time to time as well. But they're not new, they're not interesting, and sometimes they bore your audience because then they start thinking that you're saying things that they've already heard before or that don't relate to them if they don't understand it. So in the quest to sound professional, sometimes we are using jargon or words that people don't understand and over-rehearsing the filler words out of our speech and trying to sound a certain way that maybe just isn't our authentic selves. And it really bores the audience because it's not the real you. Think of it like the difference between watching the news and watching a comedy special or something that you really enjoy on Netflix. The news is professional. It's boring. The Netflix show, the comedy special, Those are entertaining because they're way more authentic to who that person is rather than the boring old news that was written in a way that it would kind of appeal to everybody. So keep in mind, professional equals boring. That's not always true, but in our case, we're going to assume that's true. And I want you to remove the word professional from your brain as you are writing anything or outlining anything or thinking through or rehearsing anything that you are going to say as part of your spoken image. Now, along the same lines, the next thing that you could be doing that's boring your audience is in your preparation that could be over rehearsing or sticking to a script. You've probably watched a TED Talk or two. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably love TED Talks and that's great. I like them too. And all of the speakers on those stages sound insanely competent and professional, if we're being quite honest. I mean, they're some of the brightest people with deep experience and insights into the topic that they're speaking to. Yet, 
we can tell they're rehearsed. We can tell they've practiced for hundreds of hours. We can tell that they've been coached. Does that scream authenticity to you? Probably not. So there's an interesting contrast between competence and authenticity. I want you to find what feels authentic to you because I believe competence will show through and you'll be seen as the expert that you are when you stick to your authentic spoken image. That also doesn't mean speak to your audience like you speak to your family or your best friend. There are definitely some differences there. This makes me think of when I had my first job in high school. I was a switchboard operator for my local water park. And you better believe I had the customer service voice. So whenever somebody would press the right button to get through to a live person, I was one of the people that picked up that call. And I can still remember to this day, my script. Thank you for calling Raging Waters. How may I direct your call? Now that is not my authentic speaking voice. That is not how I would talk to family or friends. But in that particular job, it made sense, right? If you've done a customer service job, you have the customer service voice that you could do. And that's not what you really sound like. I'm sure you've seen some Instagram reels or TikToks that give that comparison of how somebody is speaking to like their coworker versus when they pick up the phone. They're hilarious because they're true. And I'm not saying that I want you to sound like you're talking to your best friend when you are delivering something in your spoken image to your audience, but it should sound like you, not like customer service you, not like over-rehearsed automated you. It should sound like who you really are. Sometimes we do oversimplify and think that our choices are to either one, rehearse and prepare until we've memorized our script and it's seeped deep into our brains, or number two, keep it breezy, barely even put our thoughts together beforehand and just kind of wing it. Things are just not quite that simple. There is a gulf between being over-rehearsed and winging it. Now, in my corporate job, we were doing a video recording of some leaders within the company to talk about a project that was coming up, getting people excited about it. And one leader wanted everything that they were going to say typed out on our teleprompter. And the other person said, you know what? I talk to people all the time. I'm just going to talk about these three key points and I'm going to wing it. Now, the person with the teleprompter It worked really well for them because they wrote things out how they wanted to speak and they went with it. We adjusted as we needed to and it all made sense. The person that decided to wing it very quickly wrote things out and we put it in a teleprompter. (laughs) They said, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be when you know you're being recorded. And I think a lot of us do that when we go into a presentation or Again, even something on social media where we know we're going live or recording a story or a reel or something like that. We think, oh, I'm going to talk about this thing and that thing. Great. No worries. I can totally wing it. And then as soon as you press record, it's like staring into headlights. All the feelings of being judged and wanting to be perfect and wanting it to sound great, they all come rushing at us 
whether we know it or not. And really the only way to get over that is doing it over and over again, which is why a lot of social media experts tell us, just keep making content, it'll get better. Kind of like podcasting, but I digress. Another example that I could think about was I was the person reading from a script on a video in a return to work um, video for my corporate company. Now, I didn't write this script and I was just supposed to read what it said, but also we didn't have a teleprompter. So I was reading lines and trying to memorize them and then deliver them as soon as three other people who were standing there pressed record on the camera and on the audio. And it was really hard. I'm not going to lie. So I had to very quickly strike the balance between what's in the script versus what sounds like me and how can we make this work in a way that we can get it done and it still sounds like I'm a real person and not some robot reading off a script. Putting this in practice, when I work with clients on their speaking, we take a different kind of approach to rehearsing. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of behind the scenes on what that looks like. The quick version of this is something that I learned from a consultant way back when I was very early on in my corporate career. It was a course called Managing an Inclusive Workplace. And this was before inclusion was like its own job title. But my big takeaway from this consultant was in how to prepare for delivery of a training. And it was so helpful that I use it with my clients today. When you're going to deliver something that you're speaking, it's super helpful to have the high level outline with all of the key things that you're going to do and then speak that out loud as your preparation. So for example, I might say to myself, I'm going to start by introducing myself and then I'm going to talk about that time that I had this managing inclusion class. And then I'm going to transition into my first key point, which is blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to talk about this. So the key here is you're not actually saying a script, but you are vocalizing all of the things that you're going to cover and the examples where you're going to use them. That helps you to stay on track with where you're at in your messaging about how long all of that's going to take you without over rehearsing a script. Because the trouble with a script is unless you are reading it from a teleprompter, which is what most TED Talks do, it's so easy to get thrown off from what you're saying. If you miss a word or if you forget a specific cue or a keyword that you wanted to say, it can throw you into a spiral where you almost forget everything that you're going to say. So think outline over script. Now, again, this is really important because if your audience can tell that you are scripting things in your head, even if it's on social media, it's automatically way less engaging, which means boring, which, by the way, is my 10 year old's favorite new word. Everything is so boring. And by everything, I mean, when we tell him he can't have any more screen time. So unless you're preparing for a stage talk that expects you to have notes on a teleprompter, don't script it out and don't 
over rehearse exactly what you're going to say. You do want to rehearse your outline, your overview, your key points, your examples, and your stories. You don't want to rehearse a script. So I've told you a lot of what not to do. Let's talk about how you can engage your audience. First off, there is a difference between being engaging and engaging your audience. Words matter. You're going to hear me say that a lot. And I don't want you to internalize the belief that you must be engaging. This is not a personality trait. This is an action, a skill, and or a tool that you can use to get your message across effectively. It's probably going to be no surprise that my first tip is to create stories and examples. We spent a lot of time talking about that in episode two. It's definitely worth mentioning again, because stories engage your audience. It's how we take in information best. So if you're worried that you're not engaging your audience enough, I cannot stress enough that I want you to add stories. Now, the kicker is it needs to be relevant or able to be tied into what you're talking about in some way, because a fun story is just fun unless you can tie it into what your actual message is. You might also be thinking, well, April, I have all this experience, but I don't know what kind of stories I can tell from my personal life or my career or my work. That's another key area to keep in mind, writing down your stories. What I like to do is take a couple of minutes each day to think about a lesson or a takeaway that happened in my day. And if it's something that I think is good and I might want to reference again, I jot it down in one of my notebooks or in a Google Doc. The other thing that I'll do is if something happened and I'm thinking about it when I'm not really near anything that I can jot it down, I'll leave a voice note on my phone. Now, full transparency, I have a bunch of voice notes on my phone that I haven't done anything with yet. But I know if I need a story, I can go back there and just kind of start listening through. And there's not like hundreds or anything. It's like 15, but they're there and they're captured. So capture your stories. And when you capture your story, write down a takeaway or a lesson or maybe a couple. That way it's easy to reference later when you're trying to find an example to tie into something that you want to talk about. So stories are one way to engage your audience. Again, you're going to hear me talk about this over and over again. So we're going to move on to another way to engage your audience, which is asking questions. Now, there's a couple of really important things to keep in mind when you're asking questions. The biggest one is, do you want them to actually answer this question or not? So is it rhetorical or is this an actual discussion and conversation that you want to have? If it's more of a rhetorical question and you know you're going to have a live audience, one thing that I love to do is ask the question. But before I say the question, I'll say, hey, show of hands, who's ever experienced this before? That way people know if they relate to it, they'll raise their hand. That reduces the likelihood that a loud person or an outspoken person in the room is going to chime in and take over and derail your talk. But if you do want the actual discussion 
or maybe you're just open to somebody chiming in and sharing their experience or something like that, you can just ask the question and kind of look for, you know, head nods or a smile of agreement or something along those lines. And then you could even ask, hey, does anybody want to share their experience with this example? And if you definitely want somebody to speak up and chime in, don't say, does anybody want to share? You can say, who can share a time where this thing happened? That way it puts the expectation out there that you want someone to speak up. It's really, really clear. So think about where you can insert questions into your message in order to drive that engagement. And again, make sure it's something that's relevant to what you're talking about. Don't do the, you know, social media thing where you ask a super random question and then like take a hard left and start talking about something entirely different. For instance, someone's Insta story might have a poll that says, what do you like better, cats or dogs? So you answer dogs because that's the only correct answer. I'm kind of kidding, but I do like dogs better. And then the next slide on their Insta story says something like, if you picked dogs, that means you should buy my email marketing class. But if you picked cats, that means you need the sales class. Like that's some kind of nonsense we see on social media. So make sure your questions are relevant. Our last tip today for audience engagement is less about the actual tool and more about your entire talk or presentation or whatever it is that you're speaking. And I have three words for you. Keep it short. The more concise and targeted that you can be with your message, the more you're going to have people engaged, following along and understanding what it is you want them to get from what you're speaking. I see so many speeches and presentations that really should have been broken out into three to five different speeches or presentations. They covered way too much in the time that they were given. So they weren't able to add in stories. They weren't able to drive audience engagement with questions. They weren't able to take the time and dive deep into the topic that they were most interested in conveying to the audience. So when you're planning what you want to talk about, be very, very specific. What is it you want your audience to take away from what you're saying? And the more targeted you can be, the better. Because as I said in episode one, you want your people to be able to find you. And if you keep your message concise and targeted, they're going to find you. So let's recap. When we try to sound too professional by removing filler words and over-rehearsing, we're actually really not engaging the audience and we could be boring them. So to make sure that you engage with your audience, tell stories, ask questions, and keep your message as targeted as you possibly can. Now, as I said earlier, if you want help with this, go to semiconventional.com and book a discovery call so we can talk about your goals and how we can work together to help you reach them. And just remember, I'm rooting for you. Before you go, thanks for listening. 
hit that subscribe button, then leave a review so other aspiring thought leaders can find the show and hone their spoken image too. That's it for today. And remember, I'm rooting for you.